Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Long time no speak. It's been, did you think I'd been consumed by a baguette? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was it. You you gave in, had one baguette, and that was it. Just off the, off the cliff, off the wagon. Can I say I didn't have one? <laughs> My one takeaway from Paris, together with the seven hundred COVID tests. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't have one. I successfully navigated the baguettes to make it back. That is successful. It is. Got, What's that like? Three three Roland Garros in a row. You've done that with no baguettes. It it's quite impressive, isn't it? Never mind the tennis. I've avoided the baguettes. <laughs> How are you? I'm well, thanks. It's a busy time of year, isn't it, for everyone? So <laughs> we've, we've both been fairly busy um, as it goes. And uh, yeah, I mean, just a lot of a lot of tennis going. A lot has been happening. It's currently grass court season. That is what I'm sort of all consumed by at the moment. And uh, it is just all systems go when it comes to tennis. Although not like it ever stops. It doesn't really, but I think the problem this year was that with Roland Garros moving back a week yeah going back forward back going a week further off <laughs> it meant that when we came back normally so in the build-up to Roland Garros this week there was a little bit of a breather after Rome which at the time I quite liked because you just had that sort of swing of clay court events it was quite nice to have a bit of extra time but it meant that at the end of Roland Garros there was no time really to breathe because I mean, I landed oh. on the first day of Queens. Queens was already up and running. And then that sort of bleeds into Eastbourne and we had Birmingham going at the same time. And then everyone's thinking about Wimbledon. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's, 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 it's a wonderful time. And look, we didn't have this last year. I was thinking about that today. I was looking out at Eastbourne at the grass court and thought, some of these players haven't played on grass for nearly two years. Yes. That's weird. I know. That's odd. And on top of that, you've got some of the newer players who have just barely played on grass as well because they've been doing really well since sort of, you know, maybe the back end of 2019 or they had a really strong 2020 and they've burst through and they just haven't really played the grass court season because you only really play the grass court season if you love grass, which most players don't, to be fair, <laughs> or you are playing in Wimbledon which most players don't do. So <laughs> you only really play the grass. You're going to come and play some challenges if you're not getting into Wimbledon because you think you can play well on grass to pick up some points. But otherwise, you steer well clear. And even today, I was working on um, Alejandro Davidovich Fakina. Nice to see everybody coming around to my way of thinking that he is... I'm 100%. A I'm 100% on board. 100% on board. Such a big fan. And now I'm actually... But it's always... It's one of those things. It's like, you know, when you like a cool band and then everybody starts liking them and they're not cool anymore so i'm not quite there yet but there's a little bit of shine like oh, i i had now. that with rublev i had that the very early I days know. of rublev and now everyone starts talking about rublev i'm like hang on everybody just step back a little bit so i'm <laughs> <laughs> i totally get where you're coming from <laughs> yeah but anyway, we did davidovich fakina against ema and now davidovich fakina one junior Fikina Wimbledon. Ema. There's, there's one for commentary. Ema. I know. Yeah, it was it was okay. It wasn't radio commentary, so it wasn't it wasn't the most stressful. <laughs> but I have done his matches on radio comms. Um, but he had won junior Wimbledon, and and Ema had made the final of junior Wimbledon a couple of years before that. So that they can play on grass, but like in terms of professionally, they just have barely played on it because, you know, they just haven't been able to get into the tournaments. I guess. I mean, they play a few qualifying matches here and there. So, um, it was just kind of quite interesting because yeah you've got the group of people who just haven't played for a couple of years a little bit bit rusty and then you do just have a have a bunch that just haven't really 
played on it at tour level because they've only been on the tour for the past 18 months and we haven't had grass for two years. Well, I was doing some pre-tournament interviews at Eastbourne because I'm I'm down here and there were a few players to interview and they said, okay, today we've got players, we've got Arena Sabalenka coming through. Now she's, well, been to the final of Eastbourne before. You're going to be speaking to Heather Watson and you're going to be speaking to Ange Jabeur. And you see a Bianca Andreescu. And I thought, great. So I was just doing a little bit of prep, a little bit of research on them all with regards to the grass in this tournament. And Andreescu, and it does make sense when you think back to her age when she appeared on the scene, her injuries and COVID. But her first round match that she came through today was only her third main draw tour level grass match. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember going through it about three times before because I thought, I'm not going to ask you this. And then you're going to turn around and say, don't be silly. But it, it sort of makes sense when you think about it. But because she's a Grand Slam champion, you're thinking, oh, this can't be true. This can't be true mm. that she just, she just. So I said to her, grass is, is quite a sort of new entity on you. And, and she said, yeah, she said it, it is difficult and I'm trying to adjust. And But she's got great memories because she made her main draw Grand Slam debut at Wimbledon. But But you're right, you get these players who are, becoming or are big stars who have hardly played on grass they've hardly played on grass at all yeah I mean most I mean the top juniors would have come and played Wimbledon and then probably Roehampton the week before so most players have been top juniors there are occasions where that doesn't happen but most players will have and then they probably would have turned up for Wimbledon qualifying possibly like maybe in a different year and possibly played a challenger the week before that or something but yeah for the for the newbies on, on tour that's pretty much it and I mean it's not really like you can call those um, outings seasons can you really it's been a, a couple of couple of matches here and there so yeah it is uh, it is fairly fascinating you know players that you just think have been around for such a long time I mean like Iga Sviontek yeah, okay yeah. she again she won junior Wimbledon so she can yeah. play on grass but it's a very different level but you know you feel like you know, she's won a Grand Slam. She's now not the defending champion at that slam because somebody else has won it already and still hasn't really done anything at Wimbledon. It's crazy, isn't it? It's But as you say, we've had this this whole period of time when we didn't have Wimbledon. We didn't have a grass court season last year. It, it still feels very weird that we didn't have the grass last year. Now we're back here and and we've got this sort of shorter grass season. Because as I say, we land from Paris and already Queens is underway and we've had to condense the season and it's just sort of effectively sort of two weeks on grass and off we go or three weeks in total. It's it's very weird. There's no there's no beating around the bush. The grass court season has been screwed over more than anything else when it comes to tennis because we had to abandon it last year. And then Roland Garros, I totally understand and I know Wimbledon were on board, so you know, I'm just, just talking here. But, you know, they played seven months ago. And then they're like, oh, we we need to move back a week, you know, encroaching on the Wimbledon time. And Wimbledon, you know, thinking, hang on a minute, they didn't even get to play last year. And now you're taking a week's prep away from them. But I too understand that it was clearly the right decision. And I'm sure everyone was very <laughs> on board with it. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying that Wimbledon's been a bit screwed over. The grass has been screwed over. That's, that's all. But well, it's weird. Know, we're here. It's happening. It was weird talking about Iga Swiatek and saying, oh, the former French Open champion, because she hasn't, she didn't have it for a year. Because the, the tight turnaround, suddenly Barbora... Kreshikova is now the French Open champion. I feel um, that she hasn't, Shiontek, she hasn't had a year. So I feel like I still want to call her Roland Garros champion. Do you know what I mean? She didn't have a year. You've got to have 12 well, months. when we were commentating on, yeah, when we were commentating on Roland Garros, I was saying that it feels like there are two defending champions with Shiontek and Barty. I feel like they're both defending champions because Barty didn't play in 2020. She couldn't get there in 2020. And that 
felt like, hang on, the last time she was here, she was lifting the trophy. And, um, you know, the same for Sviontek. So it, it, it's, it almost felt like there were... It's the closest we're ever going to get to having two defending champions. We're going to have this all this year, aren't we? Because Simona Halep, if she's fit enough to play at Wimbledon, is the defending Wimbledon champion. It just, it she just is. all feels so weird. <laughs> it just, I'm, I'm trying to remember who won things, and when you're looking down, you're thinking, "Oh, she's a defending champion from 2019," because we didn't have it in 2020, but we did have some tournaments. But when it comes, as I say, to the grass, where it's just nice to be here. It's nice to see spectators in. I think Eastbourne's operating at 25% capacity, which yeah. is nice. And to see, well, Monday was a washout. You know, you have those the night before, so Sunday evening. Everyone said, oh, there's going to be no play tomorrow. And you know me, I'm I'm ever, I am the optimist out of the two of us, aren't I? Because oh, yeah. <laughs> everyone in the world <laughs> is an optimist <laughs> when they're talking with me. <laughs> so everyone is saying on Sunday night, there'll be no play tomorrow. And I'm thinking, no, oh, don't be silly. There'll be a little bit of play. There's going to be a window of play. And they said, see, that's how optimistic you are. I didn't even bother doing any prep. I was really? Like, These matches aren't happening. Wow. Yep. Well, to be fair, I wasn't on the first match. So if there had been play, I would have had the time <laughs> to do some prep for my match. But I was just totally like, this, these aren't. See, I was prepping all my options. The matches I was going to do, maybe we might go to another match. If there's rain, we could start over here. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to cover the board, just get them all done. And then I woke up and thought, oh, well, it's raining, but it's going to be fine. And then it was that horrible rain, you know, the heavy rain, when just one mm. raindrop and you're absolutely soaking. By the end of the day, my bones were cold. It was that kind. And you just thought, we're really not going to get any play. I mean, it was, wow, a complete, complete washout. And then this morning when I woke up, because it's Tuesday as we record this, it was still raining heavily. And they couldn't even use, they had to give extended warm-ups of eight minutes because they weren't allowed to use the practice courts because they'd got so wet. And our commentary box, the rain had got through, that the floor was all kind of squelchy, the internet box was was a write-off. I mean, this was this was this was proper rain we had. It was proper rain. And adding on to what we were talking about earlier, in that players haven't played a grass court match in two years. They yeah, then can't yeah. practice the day before yeah. their match because it's a washout. And they can't go to any indoor courts to practice because they're in a bubble and you're not allowed. You can only be at the hotel and the site and there are no indoor courts on site. So they just couldn't practice. And then in the morning, they can't practice on the grass. So they're walking onto the grass court being like, well, let's see what happens here then, shall we? <laughs> this could be so, a okay. disaster. So how do, you have to, how do you have to adjust how you play? You're coming onto a grass court that might be a little bit slippery, a little bit greasy from all the rain. It was super windy today and you haven't played in two years. So, so what are the, the fundamentals that you have to remember? Well, a lot of it is about uh, the movement. I think more than anything, it takes quite a while to slow down because you can't slide through uh, into the shots. Although uh, Davidovich Fakina had other ideas and was just <laughs> of course he did. sliding. Of course he did. And it's not a surprise, he ended up on his backside. <laughs> he always does. Whatever surface he's on, he will fall over. Never seen a, a match where he's times. not been flat on his back. Or there's sort of blood pouring out of somewhere and he doesn't call on the trainer and off he goes again. So, yes. So, Davidovich Fakina aside, who will slide <laughs> on anything, that's not what you'd recommend on maybe a slightly greasy, humid surface. Yeah, I don't think the ground staff are too chuffed with uh, the way that court was looking <laughs> at the end of that match, I can tell you that. Um, yes. So, uh, the footwork. So, you'll see um, that when players chase down a drop shot or they go out wide... 
um, because you do have that slight bit of grease uh, on the court, particularly where it's lush. So if you do chase down a, a drop shot, it's very green there. It's not worn at all. Um, to they pick up the drop shot and then to stop, they take so many little steps because you can't just slam on the brakes. On a hard court, you can just slam on the brakes, slide, burn, rip your shoes to pieces. On a clay court, you'd probably be sliding into the drop shot anyway because you can do a much more controlled slide, although people are now doing that a little bit on the hard. I mean... You can do it on a grass court, but it is so difficult to control because it is water on grass. You're slipping. You're not sliding. David Shakina was not sliding. He was slipping all over the place. <laughs> it's um, it's it's very different. So you do see, uh, and especially if it is um, and even if it is bone dry, it's still very very difficult. So that's one of the real common things that you see. And if you think about play, players playing at Wimbledon, they'll run out wide for a ball and they take so many small steps just to try and desperately slam on the brakes before ending up in the front row a lot of them just end up in the front row it's a lot of impact through um the legs just a lot because you're taking so many more steps to slow down rather than going with a big slide and changing direction much quicker so that is definitely a big part you're going to be a lot lower on the grass as well so I mean, it's coming. It's it's fairly slick um, in Eastbourne. It's very green. You know, I mean, it sounds like such a stupid thing to say, but it is, the courts are very green. <laughs> it's my expert analysis for the evening. Oh, thank God I've the missed this. Are very green today. <laughs> I tell you, one thing that's really different is because we're still in bubble life, and we have to be because COVID is, is still very prominent in in various parts of the world. Is that there's different tiers here? Mm. So there's tiers one to three. And I'm tier three, which means I have effective freedom of movement, but I'm not in close contact with players. Right. Do you see what I mean? So I'm not. So I did some interviews, but I had a mask on. We were outdoors and I was two meters um, away apart. And then the, it would be about five minutes and that'd be done. So, so that allows us to have a bit of more freedom. So I could go out for a run today. Um, you can go for a walk. You could just sort of wander around. But in tiers one and two... Players are one, and then there's another group that's two. They pretty much have to do venue, hotel, venue, hotel. And that's and that's one difference I've noticed, because in Eastbourne, you know, in the evening, you'd walk around, and you'd see the players, they'd be walking uh, along the pier, you know, on the beachfronts, they'd be in restaurants. It, it's it's quite eerie, it's quite deserted, because mm. the, it, it's really just car, hotel, back again. And, and speaking to some of the players... Andreescu, Heather Watson. Heather Watson actually said because she had only won two matches this year before she hit the grass. And mm. then she won the matches in Nottingham and got to semi-finals in Birmingham and then lost in that three-setter to Iga Swiatek today. But she said a massive reason for the lack of form and lack of results was because of the bubble life, playing in front of nobody, being sort of locked away. She understands why it has to happen. But she said, I like a stage, I like crowds you know that's what I thrive on and and that's been a real difference here that the players it's it literally is just the job of you play and you go back to the hotel and it it kind of makes you think it, it it's tough for the player I know you know I know it's their job and they're being well paid and they love to do it but it is quite tough to live like that yeah I mean it's tough within the relative parameters that they operate in general I mean it's tough yeah. enough at the best of times and yeah I mean I, I I'm I'm sort of surprised that more people haven't been more selective with tournaments, although we are seeing people now pulling out of Tokyo, citing the restrictions and 
you know that sort of thing later on in the year I mean it's difficult to sort of figure out why I mean, it's not like everybody has just a few people over the past few days quite quite a lot though isn't it and and, and yeah. largely at the moment it's the male players I don't know whether I'm just hearing about the male players but I feel there's there's quite a list of of, of male players that that aren't going to st- it's not all for bubble reasons but as you say a lot of them are citing just the just the conditions of why they're not going to be out there. Yeah, no, and look, it's hard. I mean, it's hard for the teams as well. I mean, the coaches, the, you know, everybody who's alongside, everybody's in these bubbles and they do just go from one bubble to the next to the next and there's so many restrictions. And I think in the British events now, they're allowed out for an hour a day, I believe. Um, but it's, yeah, it's difficult. And now Wimbledon, their hotel, the players' hotel, is about, I think it's like 45 minutes to probably, Probably longer if you're going in sort of rush hour traffic away. Is it? Yeah, it's right. turning into sort of what we're used to at US Open, right? With um, Flushing Meadows oh. being so far out of Manhattan. They're going to be coaches driving get for lost an hour on to the get bus. people oh. onto site. And especially for the sort of top 30 players, they all pretty much get houses and stay around. Wimbledon. And it look, at the US Open, it's fine. Because let's be honest, we love the US Open, but there's nothing in Flushing Meadows. No one wants to stay there. There's no, there's no shop. No, you want to be in Manhattan. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's so happy I can to go to the, the 24-hour pharmacy <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning. It's the reason. <laughs> it's the reason I stay in Manhattan. <laughs> exactly. Everybody agrees that the hour drive is fine because you get to stay in Manhattan. And when you're on your off days, you get to have a lovely bit of a shop and a bagel and whatever else you want to do. But at Wimbledon, the, the Wimbledon is lovely. There's lots of stuff around Wimbledon. Everybody yeah. everybody hears about the Dog and Fox pub, don't they? I mean, Kyrgios is always in there with some of the journalists and some other players, as we've seen. And there's all sorts going on. And people stay in these really lovely houses that they rent for yeah. colossal amounts of money, like at walking distance. I mean, we're talking five-minute walk away from the site. I know that people own... Uh, apartments where they can see the courts so they can see if it's raining they can just see when the covers come off out the window they don't need to be paying attention watching tv they can just have a look um you know so it's a totally different thing but it's going to feel a little bit more like us open because you're going to be doing that drive but you're not going to be doing that drive to get to manhattan okay they are going into london but they're you know they're doing that to go in to stay in a bubble so it's a bit it's a bit rubbish, um, and I understand there's nothing really Wimbledon could do, but it's um, you know it, it's tough going for sure. Yeah, it's hard. I'm just looking up the list, and again, I've only find I've only found a, a men's list for not going to Tokyo. There's, there has to be women who are not going as well. Mm-hmm. But I've found so out of Tokyo, Nadal team team actually retired from his match in Mallorca today. I think five to up with a wrist problem. So teams oh teams troubles continue. Shapovalov is not going to Tokyo, Pella, Bautista Agut, Isna, Dimitrov, Rude, Lajevic, Delbonis and Opelka. And I'm sure there are more, but that was the that was the last list I saw of people. I mean, there's a few, isn't it? I mean, that's that's a lot when you think of the competition and what's up for... I've seen the Russian team. They're all in. Russians are all in. <laughs> that's all happening. Um, I saw their team came out today. So men's singles. We have, well... Guess who we've got? Medvedev, Rublev, Karatsev. Who'd have thought a year ago that he'd be going to the Olympics? <laughs> um, and Hashanov. Um, and you've got the same in, in doubles. And their single, women's singles, Kudamatova, Pavlichenkova, Alexandrova, Kasatkina. And then the doubles, Vesnina and Zvonareva. So 
they're, they're all in. They're, they're, they're all in. They're all signed up. But there's, but you, you can see why, I guess, for some, I think, was it Serena Williams? I don't know if she's officially pulled out. But was it she having doubts because she wouldn't be able to take her family? Uh, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, we'll have I, to wait and see what she decides. Because I think it's pretty much, you know, on your plane, get in there, play your matches, get out. It, you know, it's not a chance to... I think that there, there is a, a period of quarantine and, and after that, but it's, yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be strict. It's going to be tougher than it, it usually would. And maybe for some, look, for some, the Olympics is a lifelong goal. And that's what they want. And that's on, on the list. And for others, I can't see Roger Federer pulling out. No. For two reasons. Firstly, that's one of the things that's missing. The singles gold. Secondly, who is he sponsored by? Yeah, I know. He's fairly big in Japan, isn't he? Can you imagine if he said... I'm not going. <laughs> they would be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Hang on a second. I even heard that Kei Nishikori might not be going. I'm not, I'm not sure that works or that sentence even makes sense. <laughs> I think, to be honest, even if he can't play, even if he's got broken legs, they'll probably wheel him out for something, won't they? <laughs> this is Nishikori. I know he's going to become a dad this year and that might be affecting his decision. But he... But I just look. I'm still convinced he's going to win Olympic gold. You mm. know me. I'm I'm stuck with this kind of fairy tale happy ending that Nishikori, not necessarily ends his career, but that's going to be the highlight for him. But it's there's a lot of people have to make some difficult decisions as they have had to do last year when Ash Barty didn't travel for the year. And then speaking to Andreescu, she said, "I didn't play any tennis in 2020." <laughs> I was like, "No, you didn't." Um, and I, I said to her, "What are your goals?" this year and she said um to be number one in the world yeah and to win another grand slam mm -hmm. i love those goals love those goals I mean, what else are you gonna I, go I, for? I thought she might just say you know to stay fit and healthy and to do this she was like yeah number one and win another grand slam and i just thought now i completely believe you but yeah, she doesn't need happen. to stay fit and healthy because even in 2019 she barely played any tournaments she just won most of them yeah. Because she won um, Indian Wells. Yeah. Then did yeah. well in Miami with her arm falling off. And then she won oh, yeah. in Canada and then won the US Open. And she did a couple of other appearances. I know that she played and, and she did she did a couple of other mm. bits, but she did not play many tournaments that year. And she had an unbelievable season. So, you know, she, I don't think she needs to stay fit and healthy for like the rest of the season. She just needs to stay fit and healthy for a week here or there. If it lined up with the US Open, <laughs> or, that would be ideal. Or two weeks, two weeks here or there. If it's a grand slam, maybe two weeks exactly. <laughs> it would be quite handy. Have you got, are you, do you have, from anything that happened at the French Open with the women, do you have any kind of clue as to who's going to win Wimbledon? Because I am, I'm no clearer. Well, I mean, I picked Krejcikova, so. No, no, you didn't. I think to, you'll find. To, 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 I think you'll find maybe to win the doubles you did. <laughs> you did not pick her. <laughs> You did not pick her to win the singles. Yeah. Did you? That is true. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I went through about eight players. I kept picking someone new and I literally got to the point when there was literally the finest left. And I still got <laughs> it wrong because I, I picked Pav. I think I think heart in the head, I went heart for Pavlichenkova. Just I know, yeah. I just really, maybe yeah. she'll get to hundreds more Grand Slam finals, but I was kind of thinking she's worked so hard. It's her 52nd main draw. You know, she's now working with her brother. She seems so much more, she seems happy and relaxed and this is amazing and and she didn't. And But I mean, Barbora Krejcikova, I mean, she wins the singles. 
She wins mm. the doubles. Mm. She goes back to number one in doubles. And she just looked as cool as a cucumber. So maybe she'll win Wimbledon. Um, well, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. I tell you what, Wimbledon is very up for grabs because you would argue, like we did for Roland Garros, that uh, Barty would be the favourite. But where's she? Because she's been injured. She picked up quite a significant injury at Roland Garros, having to withdraw. So she hasn't been playing. So the big question mark over yeah. her and her form. Yeah. Is she going to be able to just turn it on at Wimbledon? Will she be turning up at Wimbledon? Who knows? Um, you've got no Osaka. So she's out of the mix. You've got Sviontek, of course, has won Junior Wimbledon. Is playing very well. She could be in there. She had but as you said, that's a massive move. step up, didn't you? you I said mean, it's, that it's, it's completely different. Yeah. yeah. You don't just win Junior Wimbledon and then turn up at, at the uh, Wimbledon proper and take the title. Um, or, or or do you just turn up at Roland Garros having never won a title on the main tour and win Roland Garros? Oh, she did that. Yeah. <laughs> she did that. She um, did Simona that. Halep, is she going to be fit? Well, I mean, it sounded like hers was quite serious as well, really, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. I don't know. She's got a habit of playing on injuries as well and actually doing pretty well. But she's very much a, if there is any way I can get on the court, I will be on the court. Um, so, yeah, I mean, she's at Wimbledon. We know that. She's training. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, look, let's let's wait until the draw comes out because Serena Williams might move around. This could be her best chance that she's had for some time. Possibly. I mean, I, I'm just looking at the top 10 now and talked about Barty, Noah Saka, we talked about Halep, Sabalenka. I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know Sabalenka. Svitolina, I watched Svitolina today. Uh, Sophia Kennan, Andreescu, <laughs> Magarutha could pull together a couple of strong weeks. She's been so injured. Kvitter, mm. if she redlines, of course she can win another one. Benchich. Oh, could it be somebody from way outside? Who knows? Pliskova lost today. Azarenka. Oh, I just, I don't know. Maria Sakkari, Pavlichenkova. Yeah. It's open, isn't Coco it? Coco Golf. On Jabur. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, we will. As the tournament gets closer and it's pretty close now, we will pick our once we've seen the draw, we'll pick our sort of our our runners yeah, I mean, and riders. There's no point in doing that, but we'll do it. <laughs> well, 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 we'll give it a go. The men's is probably is it Djokovic? Djokovic now, is to lose. Hear me out. Oh. I want Djokovic to win. And oh, but there's a but. No, there's no but. There's a oh, because. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Because if he wins, he. It will mean that he is on 20 Grand Slams at the same time as Nadal and Federer being on 20 Grand Slams. Now, that is an incredible story. Not that their story isn't already bonkers, but in terms of for, I'm, I'm thinking, larger than the sport, outside the sport, people around, to have them all three on 20. I mean, how cool would that be going into the US Open? We know Djokovic is going to end up on more than those guys. Like, we know that. But it'd be really nice to have that just that little bit of a... Know, really nice strong narrative and also if he wins he'll be going for four in a calendar year which he's never done before and that would be pretty ridiculously incredible um and i'm now starting to think this guy could end up on like 30 so <laughs> this is just just I, beyond I, stupid I, I but i i yeah i i would love for that i think it'd be such a fantastic you know all of the talk about those three imagine if we had that just for a couple of months we would have them all on 20 it'd be awesome do you, where does Roger Federer sit with you in terms of 
winning another Wimbledon, had that defeat on the grass to Felix Ogieliasim, and he came a couple of hours afterwards into press and said it wasn't great, my attitude wasn't right. He would, you feel he would need an awful lot of things to fall into place and go his way to be in with a chance of winning another one. He would, but I mean, he was pretty impressive in Paris, right? I mean, Roland Garros did well on the clay and all the talk of the injuries and the lack of practice and he dug out a really tough match and um, you know, I know he couldn't then continue on in the tournament, but, you know, get some grass under his feet and that'll just elevate that up to another couple of levels, of course. So, you know, look, I don't think he has got no chance. That was a double negative. I should rephrase that. I think he <laughs> has a chance. I was trying to, I was trying to think that one through. <laughs> definitely a much better way of saying it. Um, I do think he's got a chance. I don't think he's a favourite. Djokovic is. You know, you've got to look at Berrettini as well. I've been talking about how well he's been yeah. playing for a long time now. How well, so um, good. If, you know, the draw works out. I mean, if you've got like Berrettini and Federer's section, that could be really interesting. And uh, Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be it's going to be a fun one. But of course, it's Djokovic's to lose. But as is every single tournament he plays now. And up until this point, it has been every single tournament is Djokovic's to lose, except Roland Garros. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think the sentence finishes earlier. I believe that it is every single tournament is Djokovic's to lose that he plays in. I no, I, there's there's something not right with Nadal. I, I think if that had been a well, fully fit Nadal at Roland Garros, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I I think but things with Nadal, he doesn't talk about his injuries. Do you see what I mean? No, but he's, also in the match, he, he's so sort of resistant to. Because he, he, he clearly had like, he had an injury, but he was also pretty exhausted. Yeah. And he went from, there was like a little teeter, wasn't there, where we were looking at each other being like, is he getting tired? And then two points later, we were like, oh, he's on zero. Like he's actually got zero left. He's injured and he's exhausted yeah. and he's actually just got nothing left. But he just goes from sort of, you don't really know when the tank, tank is sort of emptying. It just, yeah, it was gone. <laughs> With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. I don't know if this is controversial. Maybe. Um, I didn't want, as much as I like him, I didn't want Sitsipas to beat Djokovic. I, I wasn't ready for that to happen. No? Do you see what I mean? I wasn't, I wasn't. So team meetings wherever in the US Open, they're of the same generation, similar generation. I, I wasn't ready for one of the new generation the younger players to beat one of those guys playing like I just I just wasn't quite ready for it because for me I think that would have really marked the beginning of the end do you see yeah, what I mean sure but instead it's been absolutely stamped out I, I just I just wasn't quite ready for it's going to happen and I think Sitsipas has been playing so well this year and he's come on so much and but I just it, it's weird isn't it that we all want that change and you've spoken in the past about being a little bit bored that we haven't had that change yet. But when it came to it, I just wasn't quite ready. Yeah. <laughs> and and I really didn't think I'd be like that. But I thought, actually, I'm not ready for it to happen yet. 
Well, it turns out Sitsipas wasn't ready either, <laughs> I'm afraid. But isn't it amazing? Because we were having this conversation uh, when we were commentating on it on air. I don't know what you guys were thinking when you were doing it because we were working for different people. But even at two sets up, we were trying to work yeah. out his odds of winning. And we were like, imagine that. Like We came to an agreement on probably 50-50. Imagine that to be two sets up. And also, not only just two sets up, but that second set was not that competitive. He really rolled through it. And to still everybody be sitting around being like, it's probably 50-50. <laughs> still is not the favourite to if, win this match. But if we're thinking that, surely it's got to be... But surely it's got to be in his 100%. mind somewhere. If Because we were thinking exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. Actually, um, two people I was working with had a, a friendly bet. And the bet was um, that the, one friend said, Djokovic, there's no way Djokovic can come from two sets love down. He won't do it. He's not capable of doing it. My other friend said, absolutely, I will bet you anything, like my house, my family, anything. He said it was a friendly bet that he can and he will. And you just can't bet against it. Everyone was thinking that. So surely in, in Sitsipas's mind somewhere, at two sets up, he still doesn't... Does he believe he's got it? Or are there doubts, as we all had doubts at oh, this point? He believes he can, but he knows he knows the risk. He knows Djokovic inside out. He knows him better than any of us do. He's played against him enough times. He's beaten him before. It, it You know... He was two sets up and, you know, you can't kid yourself in that position. You you understand the situation. And when that third started slipping away, that suddenly you're not the favourite anymore, even though you're still two sets to love up. But you're down in the third and you suddenly think, OK, this is this is turning. This is different. And it was um, it was pretty incredible to watch. And I actually think that Djokovic coming back from two sets down, which he's never done in a grandstand final before, I think that almost crushes the spirit of the rest of the pack even more. The fact that Sitsipas was playing that well and Djokovic was kind of down and out after that second. He was not himself through the first couple of sets. Not that he was playing badly. No. He just was not happy through the first couple of sets. He faded in that second big time. Sitsipas was playing a joke. It just felt like it, it was just Sitsipas might win this. He might win this. And then it was just no. It was like, do you know what it was like? Watching the Tour de France, if anybody watches cycling. I'm not a super fan, so I'm going to get a lot of my terminology wrong. Um, oh, but you know no. when you've got like the... Uh, <laughs> you've got the loose, bear with me. Loose, bear with uh, me. The loose facts on their way, everybody. Okay. If you don't know cycling, just take my word as gospel. You'll get the hang of it. Um, <laughs> but you've got like... You'll have, like say, a leader out on his own. And he'll be, you know, <laughs> 90 seconds ahead or minutes ahead or just so, so far ahead of the peloton. But... The people in the the peloton, the 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 riders, they have their earpieces in, right, and they have their team cars talking to them, and they're just telling them just maintain this pace and you'll catch him, right? They're just telling them how quickly to go for the peloton to catch him, and that's what it looked like watching Djokovic. It's like he's just gaining on him, isn't he? Just whittling down the seconds, and he'll bring him in, he'll reel him in by the end of the the match, and it's just exactly what he does. You just knew like. Once he started to go up in that yeah, third set, you knew, he just knew he was going to catch him. Yeah. You know he's going to catch him. And that's it, like yeah, watching the peloton. You, you know 100% they will catch the leader. But he's had a nice time. He's got his advertising out. And uh, that's it. Try again but then I wonder. Then, then I, but then I wonder, surely he was aware of it too. We could all see, we could all oh, see he was being reeled in. How, how could he not see himself being reeled in? And at that point... How does he? D it was interesting afterwards because I was working for Roland Garros. We actually spoke to Apostolos 
and uh, Patrick Moratoglu. Because Patrick Moratoglu had been working in Nice with Serena Williams getting ready for the grass. But he had said that should Stefanos get to the final, he would come back and he was back. And afterwards, it, it was interesting, actually. It was Apostolos, the dad, was just being quite sort of, he didn't use his weapons. He didn't stick to the game plan. He didn't, he was very, it, it's strange because he's dad and coach, but he was very much coach in this in this interview. It was very much like, no, he should have done this. He veered from the game plan. He didn't do exactly what we said. And then Moratoglu was almost a bit more like dad saying, I actually, I'm glad to see the pain because it shows how much it hurts and how much he wants it. He said, I almost wouldn't have been happy if he hadn't been upset. He said, seeing seeing that pain of what that defeat meant shows me how hungry he is and how determined he is. And I think we can all see that in uh, Sitsipas. But <laughs> it was dad saying, well, if it's stuck to the game plan, <laughs> you're kind of thinking... He's taking on one of the greatest. <laughs> Just, I mean, you couldn't, you saw that look in Djokovic's eye when he found the energy, when he started to turn it round. You, yeah, you just knew what was going to happen. It was, mm. which is incredible. It, from Djokovic's point of view, it's absolutely phenomenal. It is phenomenal. I have a question for you, slightly off the wall, because uh, oh. we're winding down. I'm going to have to Is it about cycling? Or I know, we, I've already done, done cycling, cycling, but I'm bringing it's the not, ish this week. Oh, we've done cycling. Right. Have oh. you watched? Okay. Have you watched Shit's Creek? I a little bit of it, yes. Have you? Okay. Or I started and then I stopped. Right, because <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I don't know this where is this is a- going. Right. <laughs> okay. Maybe this is a legitimate thing, uh, and that I've just missed it. But I didn't know anything about it, and I was watching Shit's Creek, and he's not wearing hydrogen clothes. But the, one of the main guys in it, David wears the exact same designs as the hydrogen clothes. So he wears these, these tops with these big lightning bolts on them. And then there was the ring of stars around his, you know, around the sort of um, neck area. You know what I mean, the hydrogen clothes. It is hydrogen, isn't it? You've paid, you've, you've paid a lot more attention to this program than I think I did in Enter the Clothes. Yes, no, hydrogen is the brand that has the skulls and, and the lightning. The bolts, lightning bolts and the stars. He's not wearing hydrogen. He's wearing, he's supposed to be like wearing these super designer, expensive clothes. And it's just interesting because I wouldn't have thought that the hydrogen designs would be related to high end, expensive clothes. Or is that really harsh? <laughs> it's the fact that you watched it and associated it with a tennis brand of, because it, is it, is it hydrogen or not? Are you? It is. It's not or it hydrogen. Isn't. No, it's just the exact same design. So either hydrogen stole the design off of this TV show, which is a possibility, or I don't know. Maybe he's a super fan. The guy who's wearing the clothes because he created the show. I don't. I don't That's know. That's so random that you would watch. Of all the things you could have said about that program, and I watched it a long time ago, so it's a little bit vague. Of all the things, comparing what the sun, it's the sun, isn't it? What the clothes that the sun wore to the tennis player brand of hydrogen. That's not what I expected. I'm going to send you the pictures and you're going to change your tune. I thought you were going to go, yes, oh my God, that's exactly right. I'm going to send you all the pictures. I think that could be the most random thing that's ever appeared on our podcast. Mm, not sure about that. <laughs> I've got a long list. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think that's up there. But if anyone's got a view on that, if you've, if you've watched watched shit's creek um and hydrogen yeah no let us know that is random maybe he's wow. a big gonna... basilashvili fan who else wears hydrogen i know fanini wore it for a while didn't he lopez 
Was Lopez now yeah. wearing it? Lopez. I reckon it was Fanini, the influence of Fanini. Manorino wears it mm. or did wear it. They seem to have flipped around people because Fanini now doesn't. He wears his Emporio Armani, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't wear it anymore. They, they sort of changed everyone who wore it quite recently. But that is, I almost feel I need to actually watch an episode and see what on earth you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> yes. Definitely. Okay, so do. are you are you gonna leave Wow, we're ending this week's on a very we started with baguettes and we're ending with lightning bolts. Well, I had that pegged as the <laughs> oh, most important thing for us to talk about this week. So whatever. Well no, no, I'm glad I'm glad you managed to, to fit in before because I think the tennis is just about finished at Eastbourne. I mean it's there were forty four matches. <laughs> they then cancelled the doubles to get all the singles in. I mean it's it's quite incredible the amount of tennis they've got through today. Um, and now I've got to go and start preparing for tomorrow and just hope we don't get any rain because mm. oh, British British summertime, hey? Oh. But we are, next week we've got Wimbledon and we're together. We're actually together. We're actually together working on the same thing. I'm, I'm on your show. I'm on your, we're on our, each other's show. We're, the, together, we're on the same show. There we go. We are on the same show. So yes. we're going to be on BBC Five Live every day from Monday together talking about tennis yeah and i bet they'll just be really annoying and split us up all the time again well they always do I know they, they, always they do. whoever whoever we work for they say well you'll be good with this person you with this person you're like oh, for heaven's sake yeah you two are terrible do they, together do, do they not realize talk about it makes stars and lightning bolts recording this podcast so much harder when you put us with different people <laughs> <laughs> just just put us together so hopefully if we are together at some point next week we can sneak off and record the pod perfect can't wait until about the last five minutes I would say it was very enjoyable <laughs> <laughs> bye bye, bye.